0: Hey friends, welcome to Naked in Truth, the podcast that's designed to open up your mind, to help you break down walls and barriers in your life that you might not even know exist yet. But don't worry, every wall that we break down together on this podcast allows you the opportunity to level up and create your impact. With that being said, I think it's time for us to get honest, vulnerable, and naked in truth. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Naked in Truth podcast. It is me, Sari D, and I hope that your week is off to a great start. We are back this week with a very motivational guest speaker. I am so blessed to have Jeff wickersham here with us and guys he is the best-selling author high performance habits coach speaker and creator of morning fire so i am beyond excited to have him here because he has some real life experience that he is going to be giving us that i know is going to help motivate you whether you're in a tough spot or whether you might hit this spot in the future so jeff can you say hi to all of our listeners and let us know how your morning's going so far
1: Hey, everybody. I am so excited and thrilled to be here. Grateful for the opportunity. And my morning has been amazing. Crushed my workout, meditated, all these things, stacked these wins, got this positive energy force flowing, and I'm just excited to get in the conversation.
0: That's great, Jeff. So it sounds like you got yourself a pretty good morning routine going on. Is that correct?
1: It is. And it's how I start every single day. And it begins at night, right? You prepare for success and then stacking those wins first thing in the morning. That's my my morning fire, my mantra, rise, fight, love, repeat. And it gives me that that focus, that energy, and that relentless attitude that I can bring into the day.
0: I think that that's great. And I think that we're going to have to circle back at the end of what that routine really looks like because you weren't always this kind of person. Am I correct?
1: Absolutely not. I was, uh, was not an when I was younger, I was terribly shy where the thought of actually being on a podcast would have totally crippled me. And really? in, yes, it, to the point of, I still remember the story my late mother told me of like six years old, wanting to go to a buddy's house to, to shoot hoops or something. And she had to go with me because I couldn't get out of my shyness to go myself. So uh, it's, it's crazy how you can change in life totally. and where you start. Does not have to be where you finish, right? And and it's a testament to to growth and and uh, and just putting in the hard work.
0: That's beautiful. I love that great outlook and way to inspire us right from the beginning. There. So, with you being that shy boy, what did that kind of look like in your younger years? Did that mean that you were feeling disconnected from? peers around you? Did you feel like you maybe didn't fit in and you weren't able to experience what others were around you? Or did that kind of force you to feel like, hey, I need to lean on something to kind of get out of my comfort zone?
1: So I definitely felt from time to time that I didn't fit in and my avenue to fitting in was sports. And I excelled on the basketball court, football field and baseball field. So that allowed me to get out of my shell and feel much more accepted, right? When you, you, you excel in something, mm-hmm. you automatically get that acceptance regardless of your shyness or your attitude or, or how you look, right? Absolutely. Um, so that was definitely the avenue too. And probably why I, I love fitness to this day, exercise every single day, because that was the, the gift that I was given yeah. to get out of that, that shyness.
0: That's amazing. So when you're looking at your, your, uh, sport playing years, is that when you started to dabble in, you know, maybe some alcohol, maybe some, some easy drugs, what did that kind of look like? Or was that something that you were, that you waited to get into until your adult years?
1: It, uh, it started in high school, right? Uh, Like most of uh, us do. Right. (laughs) Right. And, uh, I remember Gosh, when I was in a junior in high school, we had a fantastic football team. I was the only junior that started on the varsity Ooh. from an offensive perspective. Okay. But, and we were supposed to win the division, but these guys partied every single weekend. And it they they didn't they yeah. didn't win the division. And actually, we were better as seniors because our coach at the time made us sign a a. a, a form, a commitment form that you wouldn't touch alcohol or any substance for a wow. full year. And I did it for that full year. And we, we were better as a senior class where we didn't have an ounce of the talent that they did. Um, yeah. So it was definitely you know, looking back now, I can connect the dots and make that correlation yeah. to what you're doing outside of the football field and how much it impacts your performance on the field.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So, so you felt like you had structure, you had discipline, you had community, you felt like you had purpose because, you know, when they got you to sign that waiver, you're like, I can see that my destiny is more important for playing football at this moment than, you know, partying with my friends. So it sounds like it was a really awesome year. What happened it, it, after that?
1: I fell into the easy, be like everybody else lane that so many of us fall, fall into. And-
0: so was that after graduation then?
1: that was uh that was after the football season, so okay. um then yes it it I fell back into that lane of of partying on the weekends with my uh with my buddies, and then in college, that accelerated to starting so what did the
0: partying really look like when you were getting started so like was it did you feel like you were always in control of alcohol? Was it just that you know you guys were trying to chug some drinks and and it just kind of started escalating from there, or what did that look like? Because I think it all starts from a genuinely good, wholesome, just having a good time place. And that's why I want to really build this picture, because, you know, the age that I am now, I'm at 30, I'm, I'm almost 30, I'm 28. And so, you know, you look at people that have that I've been surrounded with and, you know, I was in the party party group when I was younger and a lot of those people haven't grown out of it. And now they haven't grown out of it to a point where it's addiction affecting their life um, to a very serious point. And so that's why I want to really show the listeners what this looks like and can really trail to. So where did that really begin for you?
1: I would say definitely community and and hanging out and connection. I would also say the sports gave me an avenue to break out of my shinets. Well. Yeah alcohol did as well right where cool. then i was not that shy kid anymore and and it just built through that and then college extremely accelerated because you're away from home i mean it it can be four or five nights a week wow. you're drinking and every week every week every week and that's four years of your life and then afterwards you get a job but then it's every weekend you're doing it and you're recovering Monday through Thursday and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're doing the same thing. And it's, it's just, it becomes so ingrained into who you are and what you're doing. And it's everywhere. I mean, now that I have in 2022 made the conscious choice to have zero alcohol this year for the first time since that year, when I made that commitment to my coach and I'm 47. So that's almost 20 years ago, I made that commitment and had a year off. Now I see it everywhere. I mean, the ads on TV, you see people happy of having a drink and it's, it's all this goodness and, Mm -hmm. and people are promoting it. It's everywhere. So you, you, so many people fall into that trap. And I mean, 87% of adults drink alcohol. Wow. Pretty crazy.
0: That is an insane statistic. And so when it comes, okay, what did you take in college?
1: So, I was a business management major. So, it was all business courses. And, and, and
0: how did you feel like the partying impacted your ability to do well in college?
1: Oh, it absolutely, from a studying and, and just mindset perspective and, you know, habits and, and feeling good. It, it was, you were recovering every yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and preparing. And it, uh, it was a if- vicious cycle.
0: It's such an awkward transition time of life for so many people because of the fact that, like, like you said, you're out of the family home, so you're not having as many eyes on you. But a lot of people are still having all their shit paid for by their parents, so they don't really have any responsibility. And so if you're really finding your purpose in drinking and you're finding your confidence in drinking and you go through these four years and you really dedicate those four years to making sure that you made it to every party, when you come out of it, that real world is going to be so scary because of the fact that you've already spent four of your adult years drinking severely. Now you don't have your community anymore. You're on your own, right? Now you need to follow your, your job that you didn't really pay attention to in school for the last four years and try to navigate this, 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 this drink that has now become an addiction, right? Because now you're at the point where you're like, Hey, well, now I have to do it every weekend because it is now ingrained in you that this is like my schedule. I just, I live for the weekend. Right. So at that point, when you made it through college and you were on your own, was your drinking starting to get heavier when you were by yourself or what did those years kind of look like building up out of college?
1: It was, it was a mess on the weekends. I mean, we were, we were getting drunk to get hammered and, and forget. And, and it was, it was scary. I mean, I, I bless God every day that, that right. I didn't do something or hurt somebody else, you know, either mm-hmm. driving impaired or or just being out and being crazy and doing stupid things. And that kept going all through my twenties. And and even when I got married at the end of my twenties, it still happened even until my sons were born and I was reflecting a little bit today. I still remember coming back from like going to a day baseball game with the buddies and coming home. And I was so hammered that I passed out on the floor and there's my young sons sitting on the couch and, and there's dad out on the floor. passed out on the floor. Now, thank God they don't remember that sort of thing, yeah. but now setting an example for them that, Hey, I'm, I'm consciously making a choice to be the best version of myself
0: Wow. for
1: you and to lead through example, By
0: example. Yeah.
1: It's, it's one of the greatest and I get emotional about it. One of the greatest gifts guess- and sure, decisions yeah. I've, I've made this year uh, for, for them. And, and most importantly for myself, right? You've got to give yeah. yourself self-love before you can love all those around you.
0: It's so true. And I'm so happy, like cheers, congrats on that sobriety. That is, that is such a big decision. And you know, I, you touched on two different points here throughout and one of the biggest is that we don't realize how quickly our lives can change in one night. How one poor decision can change our lives forever. And a- alcohol is advertised so much as this, this fun, you know, it's adventure, it's inclusion, it's, you know. And what's so sad is that people don't understand you know, how many broken relationships it creates, you know, all the danger that comes from it. How many more people are leaving a night of drinking sad than they are happy? I'd like to hear those stats. You know, how many people are waking up in the morning after a night of drinking and are proud of the fucking shit that they did rather than not, you know, like those are the stats we need to be hearing, not just clinking martini glasses on a commercial. Right. And I think that, you know, for myself, I'm not sure if you know my background or not, but you know, I, my longest stint of sobriety was seven years. And actually it was, it was a big one because five days ago it would have been 11 years if I would have kept that sobriety. And so, you know, my whole life, I've struggled with addiction and, you know, it's so hard because I started getting clean from alcohol at a very young age. I wasn't even legal drinking age yet. And so, To make that change when all your friends are just starting to get to the bar is one of the scariest, most lonely things that you can do. And then I go into hospitality for my job after, which means I'm supposed to wine and dine my clients. Well, that's the last thing that you want to fucking do is explain to your client that you're recovering alcoholic and that's why you can't join in wine with them. And, you know, you come up with other stories, but you're always faced with those questions. You're always faced. So you always feel like you are the odd one out. And then you go around your friends that are drinking and you're sober and they think that you think that you're better than them because you're sober, but really they don't know that you're feeling like a piece of shit because you can't just enjoy a drink with them and not be a total monster. Mm. And That's the reality that I wish people would see. And so I'm just so tired of seeing drinking portrayed as, as, as something that is only positive. And so I think that because of the marketing and the way that it is not talked about on social media allows people to go home at the end of the night and get in really dark spots with themselves because they think that there's something wrong with them and that this doesn't happen to other people. So, you know... That's my experience in it. And now I am over a year and a half sober now again. So I really hope that this stint is going to be going to be the one for me. But you need to learn your journey along the way. And that's like you telling your stories of, you know, passing out on the floor and remembering that you still woke up the next day. And you still chose to have another drink after that, that wasn't your rock bottom. And right. that is okay because we all need to learn our lessons in order to be the person that we need to be. Because like you said, I can't give myself fully if I'm not giving myself what I need. Right. right. So, so true. Like, so now what I want to know is that you, you, you're building a business. You started getting into a marriage and was it just alcohol that you were dabbling with on the weekends? Was it starting to turn into, you know, weekday drinking where there are drugs added in there? What did that look like? So
1: it it was primarily on the uh, on the weekends, but okay. it was that that like weekend alcoholic, right, where you're drinking can't wait till five o'clock on Friday night to to hit the bottle or somebody comes over, knocks on your door, neighbor, Hey, let's have a drink. Yep. You know, that that's what it was Friday and Saturday night. Sometimes it would be Thursday night, sometimes Sunday night, you know, mixed in, but that was every single weekend. And obviously dabbled in marijuana in, in those years as, as well. Um, The other very insidious piece is, is, then there was the porn piece and and yes. porn was, you know, I mean, watching so much of it and just addicted to that. And that's something that even it's, it's, I feel more scary than alcohol because people yes. just don't even talk about it at all. And I no. know I have friends that are like, I'm on the computer for two hours and I'm like, that is so, yeah. such a, just it's crippling you and you're seeing it. So, so that was another piece that this year I said, no alcohol, no porn. And we're, we're six months into it. And I I have stuck to, to my guns and my commitment to myself there. Um, And my relationship with my wife is so much better because of that. I mean, it's so, so much better. Right. And it's just, it's not, it's not talked about enough No, and that's what
0: I was gonna say is that I'm so thankful that you brought this up because are you familiar with Steve Weatherford? Have you ever followed Uh, him?
1: Yeah, the isn't he an ex NFL football player?
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. So he's on a mission right now to lead men. And one of the missions that he's on is to help men overcome porn addictions because he actually got lost in pill, alcohol, and porn addiction in his own marriage. And so he is recovering now and he is doing the same thing where he's inspiring other people. But it was the first time that I had heard a grown man talk about it as a problem. And ever since then, so many more men are bringing it up. And I'm so grateful for the internet for this capability to have positive conversations where we can break stigmas around topics. Like the thing is guys is like, how do we not expect everybody to be watching porn when Swiffer commercials are sexualized? Right. You know, like we literally went from do you remember in the 2000s when like Shania Twain and Britney Spears started showing their belly button and everybody was like,
1: (gasps) (laughs) I do, I do.
0: And now it's like Cardi B, wet ass pussy is playing on the on the uh, music in the mall for the kids to hear. I'm like, how did we accelerate from zero to a thousand so quickly? How do we not expect for us as humans in our home privately, not to fall into these types of addictions. Right. And so I just want people to know that there's no shame in this type of thing. And there is absolutely no shame in what we fall victim to as humans, but we need to be honest people about how it's affecting our lives, our relationships, and truly our relationship with ourselves, because we are smart enough to assess whether something is healthy or not for us. I don't care who you are, how intelligent you are. We are programmed that way. It's a natural instinct. It's just that we choose to not look at our shit that we don't want to look at that stinks. Mm, that's just the way it goes. So Jeff, you have decided that you are pretty much the guy living for the weekend. It's affecting your relationship with your wife. Is that because she's not drinking as heavily as you or wh- what? where was that disconnect?
1: I wasn't a... Great person when I drank, and when I I, I started it Thank this year, and I waited till Valentine's Day. I had this you know, thought in the back of my mind that I just couldn't put away, and I, I said I I want to take the whole year. And I told her on Valentine's Day, and she said, "Well, I like you better when you don't drink." And I said, "Well, then it's a win-win for both of us, right?" And no uh you know, uh, uh, it just allows me to be present and be kind and gentle and and Alcohol didn't allow that, know. right? I'd be disconnected. I'd, I'd be short. I'd, I'd quick temper, all those things that kind of it, it led me to. So uh, it definitely has improved our relationship. And to your point, 87% of people drink. So you are going against the norm. So the questions are, well, why are you doing this? And I, I love just saying because my health, not only physically, but mentally is more important than having a drink. Mm-hmm. and I want to tomorrow, I'm going to crush it. And I know if I have one, even just one drink, I'm not going to be mentally as crisp. I'm not going to be physically as, as ready. And I, I just don't want to miss a day because seven and a half years ago, I, I watched my mom lose her life to breast cancer. I literally watched her take her last breath. And if you've ever watched somebody pass It is a moment that will be etched in your soul for the rest of your life. And I know how precious life is. And I I don't want to waste a day where Mm -hmm. I'm hung over on the couch till noon or one and and eating crappy and just feeling like shit. And I don't want my sons to go down that path. And I tell them all the time, if you see everybody going down that road, you better run the opposite way because that is where the easy route is the painful route, the route of just numbing yourself and, and not stepping into the best version of yourself. And, and it's, a, it's a route of, hey, depression, anxiety, stress, all these things that so many people are facing. It's because they're going down that route that the herd goes down and they're too scared. To your point, they know what to do, but they, just, they choose not to. Um, and you're going to pay a price in life, whether you pay a price now or later. And I I say related to exercise. Yeah. I pay the price every single morning now. So when I'm 75, 80, hundred years old, I'm still going to live a great life where if you delay that price, you're working off that
0: savings, right?
1: (laughs) That's it. That's it. Where if you don't pay the price now, you're going to pay it later and you're not going to be any shape mentally or physically to battle it. And you're going to, you're going to live a shorter life.
0: You said so many good things there that I actually had to write a few of them down so that I didn't forget. So I want to start out by saying that you had mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that you enjoyed drinking because of the fact that you were shy and it helped bring you out of your comfort zone. Fast forward to Jeff before he quit drinking. He became a man who was angry, who, you know, didn't treat others, others nicely when he drank. What happened to that bubbly, confident Jeff? Mm. Well, let's remember here, guys, Jeff wasn't dealing with a problem where he needed alcohol. Jeff was dealing with a confidence issue. And that is why he that's why he was shy about himself and felt like he could come out more. But for like 20 some years, Jeff never dealt with that confidence issue. And so alcohol kept giving him false confidence, I guess, is the best way to put it. It allowed him to not have to deal with his shit which allowed his confidence to build to a point where he became an animal, a monster that just unleashed on other people. And this is what happens to every single person who starts drinking to think that it's going to help them. All it is, is it's a mask. It doesn't allow you to see what you need to deal with. And you're going to get to a point in your life where it's going to get so ugly that you either wreck everything or you decide that this is the point for change. And Jeff decided, This is the point for change, which leads me into my next point of being an example for his kids. So Jeff, I grew up with two recovering alcoholic parents. Okay. Never saw them drink my whole life. I had friends where their parents drank all the time. So like so much so that when I was a kid playing in the bath, I was making wizards and potions and my girlfriend was playing bartender. And I was like, what? Like, you know, but you live in two different households. So I would go over there for celebrations and it would look like so much fun. All the families there, they're all drinking. It's a time and a half. My family, very quiet, very small family, not really any friends. Well, to me in junior high, I'm like, you guys are fucking boring. You have no friends. You have no life, not understanding. And all they kept telling me is do not drink, do not drink. But they wouldn't tell me why they wouldn't tell their life experience of why they chose not to drink. It was always just don't do this. Don't follow in my sit in my footsteps. Don't Mm -hmm. smoke while they're looking at me smoking a dart. Like All these things where if I could go back and teach them how they could have done it better for me, it would be to not be afraid to share their stories and their experience because just telling your kids not to do something is not going to be enough. And sometimes will push them to a point where they want to do it more because they don't understand why they're being told not to. Does that make sense?
1: Totally makes sense. Yep. Absolutely makes sense. And one of the things I, both my sons play sports is, and now they're hitting the gym heavy and hard. And I say, you add alcohol into that. It totally cripples what you're doing. And, and in these past six months, I'm at 47, I'm more ripped than I've ever been in my life. Hey, And I tell them, you see what's dad's doing? It's because I don't have alcohol in my system at all. And I, uh, so I, I really strive to connect those dots. So when they're thinking or their friends, like, oh, everybody have, you have one. I want them to think, well, if I do this, then what I did in the gym the last week and a half is gone. And I'm not going to be able to perform on the athletic field. So making that connection is, is definitely important.
0: I think that you as well, being here, telling your story, whether they know the full story now or not, though, they will get to an age where you're ready to tell that, And the fact that you were already there putting in the work, inspiring other people, like, dude, you're already there. So just, I'm very, very proud of you. And I know that you're leading such a great example for your family. And that makes me want to lead into what was your rock bottom? What got you to saying like, dude, this is 20 some years of drinking. I'm clearly not becoming more of a person that I want to be. What was your tipping point? Because like, that's a long ass time.
1: It, it really is. And, and there was a couple, I'd say, minor bottoms, not a total rock bottom. But I, hear you. I still remember when I left corporate America after my mom passed, they opened up a gym because I was always into fitness, like I said. And I still remember being out partying with my neighbors till like two and three in the morning, waking up at seven o'clock to go teach a class at eight o'clock at my gym. And I remember my wife saying, how are you going to go teach people about being fit and healthy when you stink of alcohol? And, you know, that was a powerful bomb that she threw my way. And, and as I reflect back, that was definitely the start of the, started the to trend penetrate. Of, <laughs> right, of like, you're right, that, that is, you're, you're calling me on the carpet, I shouldn't be that way. And then through some terrible experiences with COVID and, and just yeah. all of that, I knew, and I'm on this constant quest to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday and as i thought about okay what are what are the and i came up with two obviously what are the two things that are my kryptonites that cause me to stop and not step into my true confidence that i've built up through repetitions day in and day out that's where this year it was alcohol and it was porn and i said if i cut those two things out imagine the forward progress i'll make every single day and 6 months in i, I just i feel amazing Mm. And I'm having an impact. And my family's so connected now where we're all exercising. We're all on the attack. Like hey. it's, it's just such a powerful force. Yes. And so many families are, are so disconnected in the world today where we're on our phones or dad's a big drinker, mom's trying to get healthy, but they're so disconnected. Yeah. Imagine having that family almost be like a sports team. It's a straight where-
0: powerhouse.
1: Oh my. And and it gives me, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it. Like I still remember my wife's a teacher and my kids and my wife were off the first day for summer break on a Monday. And my dad's going to be 76. He comes up, still works out with me a couple of days a week. Cause he wants to stay young.
0: Amazing. And
1: he says, Where, where's everybody thinking that they were sleeping. It was nine 15. And I said, Jackson, my oldest son's at the Y my wife, Heather's at spin class and Carter came out and he said, I'm going for a run and he was like, what the heck has happened and I said we're on our toes we're attacking like this is amazing so it's just it's been an amazing uh, amazing journey and I, I love that now we're such a cohesive unit and that's where you can pull tremendous power and operate in in your truest self.
0: Well and you know I want to touch on something there because in today's day and age it's very easy to give up on things. Right. It's if, if something's not working, you just go buy something else. You move on to something else, or you get divorced and get a whole new partner. Cheers to your wife for seeing so much in you, the true you. Right. There's not many people that can see that in their partner, especially when it's being masked by something like alcohol. And you know, you. I watched you look at your arm, and and I could see the tears well of you being so proud of where your family's at now. And I just want to say that you deserve every bit of that because you guys put in the work to get there. That's the thing is it wasn't just Jeff and his family woke up one day and and they're, they're, they're the poster idol family for the <laughs> first day in healthy. They, they put in the work. Nobody saw those dark days. Nobody saw those nights of tears. Nobody saw, you know, where you're like, fuck, can I even make it through this? Am I going to amount to anything? Because I know that we all have those discussions with ourselves, right? right. Yep. It's, it's part of the journey journey. So, you know, you deserve every bit of this. And I just want to congratulate you on how far you've come. I want you to now tell the viewers, how are you impacting other people's lives? Like you are a best-selling author. Let's talk a little bit about your, your book. What do you do when it comes to high performance habit coaching? There's some goodies that tie in there and we want to know.
1: Number one is I help people lay a foundation for their life. And, and that's so important, right? Where, where people are just kind of floating in the ocean on a boat without a, a rudder, without any, anything to, to help them. And it's the foundation. My foundation every single day is how I end my night and how I start my morning, the bookends, right? And if you can control the bookends, you actually have a lot more control throughout the chaos of of the day. So at night preparing for success Winding things down, getting a tremendous night's sleep, right? So many people aren't intentional about, hey, tonight I'm going to get a great night's sleep. Instead, they're on their phones, they're watching TV, they're drinking alcohol, they're watching something that is totally derailing them from actually getting the number one. Most important thing is a quality sleep. Standing night. in the sleep.
0: pantry munching. <laughs> right, right.
1: Late night snacking, all those things. And, and sleep is so important for us to restore physically and mentally. So prepare for success at night and then stacking wins right when you start your day. And that's where the Rise, Fight, Love, Repeat comes in. That's the, the name of the book. You're rising like a phoenix, reborn each day, right? New possibilities, new opportunities. You're fighting for your physical fitness, mental fitness, nutritional fitness, and we need that dog fight mentality. So many people Mm -hmm. are just flatlined. No, get on your toes, get aggressive, fight for what you truly want. Love, love yourself. Most importantly, we got to show grace and self-love. When you do that, all of a sudden you show up better for all those around you that you love and and truly want to be there for them. And then the magic is, is the repetition, repeat just repeating over and over again, that consistency, right? Today was 1,670 straight days of meditation, at least 10 minutes. Wow. Great job, dude. Thank you. Thank you. That consistency over time, just we're, we're so, we we are led to believe that we need to be so intense and we can get things in a minute. It just doesn't happen that way. You need to put in the hard work, the effort. The tenacity every single day. So stacking those wins.
0: Power in that, right? Like so. Like when you look at Jeff, young Jeff, when he was, you know, playing playing football in college and things like that. Like when he was drinking, he felt good. But what does Jeff feel like now when he's sober and you know meditating for a thousand sixteen hundred days in a row and you know hasn't touched porn in six months, like? Where's the power in you in that versus the power in you with alcohol? Who's more powerful, right?
1: Oh, uh, the the new Jeff and and my wife and I joke, right? Old Jeff wouldn't have done well, old Jeff would have done that. New Jeff doesn't do that crap, Mm-mm, right? I don't even and, think and, of that, right? And, and it's and it's I I live more fully, more present in the moment. I mean, I'm I'm brought to tears many days by just being so grateful for watching my son shoot hoops or something like that, or or you know share a moment at dinner where the phones are away and the TV's off, and we're actually sitting and talking together. So uh, th- this version is incredible and so much more powerful that uh, it's amazing to think about the the two the two versions for sure.
0: Well, we would love to learn to be like a powerhouse like you are. So with that being said, so is the morning fire where we would learn more about how to properly set up, you know, maybe an evening routine or have that boss morning routine? Can you touch a little bit more on that for us?
1: Yep, they can uh, anybody can go out to uh, themorningfire.com. I got a ton of content out there, podcast as well as a YouTube channel. So, it's all out there or go out to Amazon and grab the book. It's a short read, Rise, Fight, Love, Repeat, Ignite Your Morning Fire. That'll give you the recipe at night and in the morning to stack those wins and create that focused energy and intentionally step into the best version of yourself.
0: That sounds so badass. Okay, well, we are going to link those links in the notes. So make sure that you go and click down below because we definitely need to make sure that we are taking control of what we can in our life. And, you know, Jeff had mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that just because you are somewhere right now doesn't mean that you need to be there at the end of your days either. And that comes with change. And there's something that Jeff says that he doesn't realize correlates so quickly or correlates so well with me because of the fact. So I'm, I'm a personal trainer and one of my taglines is do it differently. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that you say is that if you want real change, you have to do it differently than before. So I'd like for you to touch on what do it differently means to you
1: do it differently and and this is a muscle that you build right we hit the physical gym but so many times we're not hitting that mindset gym and putting in the reps this would be when you feel that you have done something over and over again you actually have a trigger that says, okay, I have to go the opposite way. And many times that's the comfortable way that we've done it so many times. times. Now you feel that uncomfortable. And if you can use it as a reverse indicator where, okay, I'm feeling those butterflies. Oh, I'm a little bit nervous and say, that's exactly the trigger that I should move towards it. Then it's amazingly powerful. And so many times we think fear is so real and it grips us wow, if you use that as a reverse indicator, that that's exactly where I need to go, then doing different is a little bit easier.
0: I think that, you know, a big saying for me too, is a lot of people think that they should only be excited when they're getting started on something. But the truth is, is you need to be excited and scared. That's how you know that you're ready. There is so much positivity and fear. And that is what's going to allow us to do it differently and go in the right direction. And so I want this message to really speak to anybody who might be feeling like after listening to this podcast, that they are doing things in their life that they're not necessarily proud of, that they don't feel like is 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 building up to their identity. And I want you to assess how can you do it differently? And simply just taking time for that thought will allow for your mind to integrate that so that when you go to go and do what you shouldn't be doing the next time, like Jeff said, there's going to be a little tug at your heart. It's going to say, "Mm, maybe we should go in a different direction with this one. And it's up to you to have the power in that choice to make a difference. So Jeff, you have given us so many valuable tips and tricks to be able to overcome what we might be going through whether it's exactly what you did or not and that's the beautiful part about I find human behavior is even though it's also different it's so much the same in a lot of ways so as the expert that you are I would like for you to kindly leave the listeners with some advice if they're going through something hard how can they build up their life to take control of ownership take control and ownership of it and to feel like they can do it differently
1: Okay. I'll give you, give you three things. I love the, I love the it. power power of three. One is today is a gift that you will never, ever get back again. And if we can look at life in that manner, it just gives you a different lens to understand how amazing today is and that you can create whatever you want to. So that's number one. Number two is whenever you start something, we always look like to look at this huge Mount Everest out in the distance. And when we look in that manner, what does the mind do? I can't do that. There's no way I'll be able to do it. So chunking it up to making that first step. And I want you to focus just on that first step and make that first step so laughable that it's 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 so easy that you're like, I can't even believe this is going to be the first step. And then take that first step because that first step is most important. Once you take that first step, you'll be compelled to take another. So chunk it up. And then number three, and I did this with alcohol here this year, is you want to fully commit, you want to decide, you want to cut off any possibility of not doing it, you've got to make it public. And I made it public. I went out and said, posted on all my social channels. I talked about it on my podcast. I told my family and friends, I said, I'm not having a drink for 2022. And when you do that, there is a little switch that goes And flips in your subconscious mind because you inherently don't want to look like a liar in public, even though most people aren't going to give a shit whether you do that or not. Yeah. But it changes something internally. Mm -hmm. And that's so, so powerful for change
0: of a level of responsibility. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Those three tips are fabulous. I know that people will take those forward. And, you know, what I really got from this podcast too is just if there are any parents listening, Please, please, please do not be afraid to share your journeys, what you view as your mistakes with your children. It is you that is afraid of them judging you and feeling like a failure as a parent. But the truth is, wouldn't it be easier for your kids to learn from your mistakes than to have to go through them themselves? I'm going to leave you with that there. So guys, if you're struggling with sobriety, if you're struggling with porn addiction, please know that there is a place for you to be able to get help. And it might be as simple as just starting to read Jeff's book, okay? It doesn't mean that you need to take big steps, but it does mean that you need to have a community around you so that you are able to be honest and really start taking this level of responsibility to make this change, set a date for yourself. You do deserve to have this freedom. And I would love for you guys to make sure that you go and say hi to Jeff, congratulate him on his sobriety, go follow his content. And Jeff, can you let us know, is there a Facebook and Instagram? Do you like to YouTube? Let us know the best ways to contact and say, Hey,
1: yeah, I love putting, uh, putting contact out on Instagram. So it's Jeff Mm -hmm. under underscore Wickersham. I'm out on TikTok as well. And then I do have a YouTube channel, Jeff Wickersham, the morning fire. So they can check that out as well.
0: That sounds great. So I will take that all in the notes that you guys can go click through. And Jeff, seriously, cheers to you again. I can't wait to hear an update in the future of how great everything continues for you. Keep making your impact and just thank you so much for your time, okay?
1: Uh, Thank you so much. I I enjoyed it.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, thank you guys for tuning into another episode. And you know that I will catch you next fucking Monday. And that's another Honest Episode Dropped. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Naked in Truth, where we come together every Monday morning to set the week off with intention. Don't forget to head over to our Instagram page at Naked in Truth Podcast to stay up to date on future episodes, guest speakers, and other kick-ass info that can help you continue to create your impact. And you know that reviews are so valuable when it comes to building a community of like-minded people. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please drop some love on Apple podcast reviews and share this episode with someone who you think needs it. Thank you guys so much again for tuning into today's episode. I'll catch you next Monday. And don't forget, love always wins.